Hi, we're the McComiskeys. I'm Doug. And Robin. And we're going to be doing the second Bible reading today, which is John chapter 20, verses 1 to 31. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, 
and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Hi everyone, my name's Ali, I'm going to be preaching for us today. But as we begin, let's come before God in prayer. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word spoken to us so that we might know who you are. And we thank you for your son given to us so that we might have life. We ask that as we consider both your word and your son now, that we might grow in our love for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some events in life are so big that their world changing events. They happen every now and then, and we've had a few of them in the last hundred years or so. For example, in the 1920s, there was the invention of the television. Now, obviously, that's completely changed and reshaped the whole way that our world functions. Believe it or not, families used to actually talk with each other and used to spend time interacting with each other. Hard to believe, I know, but the television changed all of that. Or what about smartphones? In just the last 10 or 15 years, we've had the invention of the smartphone and it's completely changed the world. We now have everything, access to the whole world in the palm of our hands, instant news, instant communication, instant information. The invention of the smartphone changed the whole world. Or what about World War One? 20 million people died. There wasn't a single person who wasn't impacted or influenced by the war. And it reshaped all of society. It increased the recognition of women's part in society. And many countries actually introduced the ability for women to vote after World War One. It also increased the recognition of the working class, those who had given their lives to fight and die for their country. World War One changed the world. And throughout history, there's been other events like that, events so big that they changed the world. In fact, uh, we might be in one at the moment with the coronavirus. Everything, the whole world has shut down because of it. Everything's changed. Movie theaters, churches, shopping centers, workplaces, everything has changed because of this virus. Some events are like that. They change the world. But there's one event bigger than that. One event bigger than the invention of the TV or the smartphone, bigger than the coronavirus, bigger even than World War One, Because this impact, this event didn't just impact on a global level. It impacted on a cosmic level. It impacted every person from every generation, from every nationality, from every time, from every age. 
This event impacted every single person who's ever lived and who will live. See, whether we realize it or not, this event impacts every single one of us listening today. What is this incredible event? Well, that's what John chapter 20 tells us about. In it, we see this cosmic event that's impacted everything, that's changed everything. We see that this cosmic event turns tears into relief. It turns fear into joy. It turns doubt into belief. And it even turns death into life. And that's why it's an event far bigger than any other event throughout history. And so what is this cosmic event? Well, it's that someone has defeated death. That's what we see in verses 1 to 10. Our story starts with Mary and her good friend Jesus has just been killed. And so she's going to his tomb to go there and to mourn. But did you see what happens when she gets there? Have a look at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Imagine how shocked she'd be. She's expecting to see Jesus' body lying there, but instead he's gone. And so, not really knowing what to do, she returns to the disciples and she tells them, someone's taken Jesus, he's gone. And so, Peter and another disciple, almost certainly John, the author of this gospel account, head off, they want to see for themselves, and so they go to the tomb. Uh, John seems to be the more athletic of the two, and he makes it there first. But as he gets there, did you notice what happens? He doesn't go in. He kind of peers in and he has a look. He sees the clots lying there, but he can't bring himself to go in. Peter finally arrives and you can just imagine he's huffing and puffing and he kind of barges past John and he goes in to the tomb. And then he stops in shock. The tomb is empty. Have a look at verses 6 and 7. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Imagine the shock. Even though he's heard it from Mary, there's still something about seeing it with his own eyes. He's stumped. He doesn't, it doesn't make sense. He doesn't know what to do. The body should be there, but it's not. John eventually then summons up the courage to go in as well. And did you see what happens when he goes in? Have a look at verse 8. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. He looks and he believes. Finally, all those things that Jesus said in his ministry start to make sense. Finally, all those Old Testament prophecies start to make sense. He starts to connect the dots in his head. He sees that Jesus is not there. He realizes Jesus has defeated death, just like he said he would. That's the incredible cosmic event. The event that changes everything. But you might be thinking, well, so what? What does it matter that someone else defeated death? And it's a good question. And in a sense, it's the question that the rest of the passage unfolds for us. and explains to us why this is such a big deal. What impact does this cosmic event have? Well, it turns tears into relief. It turns fear into joy. It turns doubt 
into belief and it even turns death into life. That's why this cosmic event is such a world changing event. First, it turns tears to relief. The story goes back to Mary and she's weeping and distraught. She's inconsolable, which makes sense. Imagine going to the gravesite of a loved one and seeing it empty. Uh, sadly, I've lost all but one of my grandparents. And if I went to one of their gravesites and saw the earth all churned up, saw the coffin dug up and lying there open and discarded, I'd be sad and I'd be sickened. I'd be horrified. And in a sense, that's what it's like for Mary. And in fact, so distraught is she, so sad is she, that we get this almost comical scene where she's weeping about the fact that Jesus is gone. And so sad is she that she doesn't even realize Jesus is there talking to her. Have a look at verses 14 to 15. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. She thinks he's the gardener, and all she wants is to see Jesus' body. It's, it's heartbreaking, such a simple request that seems so far away. The whole story is filled with such sadness. Such sadness that her dear friend is gone, seemingly never to be seen again. But of course, Jesus isn't dead. That's the great cosmic event. He's defeated death and he's standing there right in front of her. And he simply says her name. And at that moment, her eyes are opened. Her heart skips a beat. The tears in her eyes stop. As she realizes Jesus isn't dead. Imagine the incredible relief. In an instant, her tears turn to relief. Imagine the feeling, such deep, overwhelming sorrow, gone in an instant, replaced by the deepest sense of relief. This cosmic event turns tears to relief. And isn't that what we long for, to have all of our tears wiped away, to be comforted and relieved? See, that's the wonderful hope that this cosmic event brings up, turns our tears to relief. And it also turns our fear to joy because the story now goes to the disciples and they're bunkered down, locked inside their room, just scared that at any moment the soldiers are going to kick down the door, take them away and execute them as well. Their leader, Jesus, has been brutally slaughtered. And so now they're fearful that that will be them as well. Have a look at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. There's a deep fear here, a pervasive gloom and sadness. They're hiding, doors locked, scared that at any moment they could be arrested and killed as well. But just like Mary, that all changes in an instant because of this cosmic event that turns their fear to joy because Jesus appears and stands there amongst them. Have a look at verses 19 to 20. Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
Imagine the shock. Just days earlier, they'd seen him bloodied and beaten. They'd seen him hanging there, dejected, defeated and dead. And yet, here he appears out of nowhere while the doors are locked. I mean, it's good none of them had a weak heart or they might have died from shock on the spot. But imagine the incredible joy of this reunion. It would have been one of those events, you know, where your mouth hurts from smiling so much. I remember on my wedding day that that was it, just so much smiling that my mouth literally hurt. And I'm sure you can think of times in your life that have been like that as well. I suspect that's a little of what this reunion would have been like. Imagine the smiling and the laughing, the hugging, the tears of joy. It would have been such an incredible, joyful reunion. Their dear friend snatched back from the mouth of death. This cosmic event turns their fear to joy. And wouldn't that be something? To be free of fear. To have our deepest fears defeated. To have our deepest dreads of our heart lifted. Wouldn't we all love that? Well, that's what we find in this cosmic event. It turns our fear to joy. It also turns doubt to belief. The focus goes to Thomas and we're not told why he wasn't there at that first meal, but for whatever reason he wasn't. And so you can imagine the shock he feels when the others tell him Jesus is alive. He's not dead. I mean, that's a hard thing to hear. And so he's understandably a bit sceptical. Verse 25, he says to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I mean, he'd fit in well in modern day Australia, wouldn't he? Unless I see for myself, unless I touch for myself, unless I put my fingers in those wounds, I will not believe. And to be honest, I kind of sympathise with him. I mean, people don't normally just come back from the dead. If you heard this, you'd think they'd lost their minds. You'd think they'd gone crazy. I suspect that all of us would have thought the same in his place. But the cosmic event changes that. In an instant, it turns his doubt to belief. We see that as Jesus comes and appears to him. Have a look at verses 26 to 28. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. It's an incredible picture. Jesus comes and he says to Thomas, look, see, touch, do whatever you need to, to believe. And Thomas does. He looks and he believes. In an instant, this cosmic event turns doubt to belief. But perhaps the most incredible thing that Jesus says here is what follows. Did you see what he says to Thomas? He says to Thomas, because you've seen and believed, that's good. But how much better those who believe without seeing. And who's he talking about? Well, I think he's talking about us. I mean, think about it. We're not like Thomas. We haven't seen Jesus. We haven't touched Jesus. 
We haven't eaten with Jesus. We haven't talked with Jesus. And yet, we still believe. Jesus says, if we believe, then we are blessed. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that there's no evidence. In fact, we're looking at some evidence here, eyewitness accounts of Jesus' resurrection. But nevertheless, we haven't physically been with Jesus. And Jesus says, if we believe, then we are blessed. How? In what way? Well, because this cosmic event turns death to life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that much, but death is that great enemy that we're all facing. Death claims everyone. There's that famous saying, there's only two certainties in life, death and taxes. And in a sense, that's true, isn't it? Everyone dies. The rich die, the poor die. The young die, the old die. Doctors die, nurses die. Teachers die, students die. Everyone dies. And there's nothing we can do about it. Sure, modern medicine might have helped to postpone it, but it hasn't stopped it. Everyone dies. But the incredible cosmic event changes that. It turns death into life. In fact, that's the whole point. That's why John, the author of this gospel, recorded it. Did you see that in verses 30 to 31? Have a look with me. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The whole purpose of John recording this, the whole purpose of him recording this cosmic event is so that we might believe, even though we weren't there. And if we believe then we have life, eternal life, in Jesus' name. But only if we believe. Did you see that? It doesn't say if we work hard. It doesn't say if we're good people. No, it's if we believe. If we want life, we have to believe in this cosmic event that Jesus defeated death in our place. And if we do then we have eternal life. That's the wonder of this cosmic event. That's why it's so much greater than the invention of the TV or the smartphone. That's why it's so much more impactful than even coronavirus or World War I. Because this event turns death into life. And that's why this cosmic event brings such hope. Because if we believe in it, then it changes our tears and our fear and our doubt and even our death. Now, does that mean we'll never be scared or sad? That we won't die? Well, of course not. In this world, people will still get sick. Marriages and relationships will break down. Wars will start. Injustices will happen. But the hope of the cosmic event is that that is not the final say. It's not even the most important say. It's the hope of the cosmic event is that disappointment and disaster and divorce and even death do not have the final say. Because the cosmic event has the final say. Jesus' death and resurrection, they're the final say. They're the most important say. Which is why the cosmic event brings such hope. When we face Tears or fear or doubt or even death, we have hope. Because we know that eternal life 
that's there for us. Life where there's no more tears from sadness and pain. Life where there's no more fear of losing loved ones. Life where there's no more doubt about what will happen to us. Life where there's no more death. That's why we have hope. But only hope for those who believe in Jesus. Only hope for those who trust in the cosmic event. But if we do, then it reshapes everything. It reshapes all that happens to us. Sure, there might be short-term pain. Tears and fear and doubt and death are still there. But their sting is gone. They don't have quite the same punch. Because we know of the hope of this cosmic event. It's certainly the hope that kept a guy called Shane going. Shane was in his early 40s in the prime of his life. Had a young five-month-old son. Had a loving wife and a blossoming career. And yet, sadly, with life going so well, Shane was diagnosed with cancer. Imagine that. Imagine in an instant having your life turned upside down. Imagine never getting to see your kids grow old. Imagine not getting to grow old yourself with your wife. Imagine never getting to achieve all that he'd hoped in life. It's heartbreaking. And yet, despite that, Shane was a man filled with incredible hope. Why? Well, because of the cosmic event. He knew that this cosmic event had the final say. He knew of the eternal life he had. And so he was able to go through his battle with cancer with great hope. He was able to go to all the doctor's, doctor's appointments without fear. He was able to go through chemo without fear. He was able even to face death itself without fear. In fact, uh, he was so fearless that it shocked all of his doctors. In fact, just a few weeks before he died, he was at an appointment with his oncologist and his wife had to quickly duck out to change the nappy of their young son. And while his wife was gone, do you know what the oncologist said to him? They said, what is it? Your what are your fears? You're all alone now. You don't need to put on a brave face for your wife anymore. Tell me, what are you fearful about? What are you anxious about? And do you know what Shane replied? He said, I'm not fearful. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious about anything to do with my cancer. I don't fear death. How incredible is that? How can anyone say that in the face of impending death? Well, only because of this incredible hope that the cosmic event brings the incredible hope of eternal life. Now, thankfully, most of us aren't in that horrible situation that Shane was in, though I know some of us in our congregation are. And as a church, we mourn with those who are facing such horrendous sickness and death. Our hearts break for you. But whoever we are, whatever we're facing, whether it's the battle of cancer and sickness and death or whether it's something else, Shane's hope is the same hope that we have his hope in the cosmic event is the same hope that we have. A hope that Jesus has defeated death for us. A hope that turns tears to relief, fear to joy, doubt to belief, and even death to life. See, this cosmic event truly is the most world-changing event ever.
I'm going to pray and thank God for it. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of Jesus that he came and lived the life we should have lived. He then died the death that we deserve to die. But in particular, we rejoice that he rose again to defeat death in our place, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. We thank you for this incredible gift and we ask that you might help us to trust in him and you might help us to feel the hope that this brings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.